What's up, Fight Fan? You're listening to MMA Daily, the podcast where we bring you the latest in the world of mixed martial arts. It is Sunday, February 20th, 2022, and this week's episode, UFC Vegas 49, an upset or an ascension? We'll talk about the past weekend in MMA with the UFC, Johnny Walker taking out Jamal Hill, and some of the other highlights that we saw there. We'll be talking about the latest in MMA news. Could it be Bellator's biggest night in a long time this coming April? The latest on the Kayla Harrison free agency. The return of the dragon for what could be his final night. And of course we'll top off the show by talking about this coming week's action. The newly, I don't want to say announced, but let's just say uh, amended main event between Islam Mahachev and Bobby Green. My name is Gabriel Gonzalez, and I'm here with my co-host, Natalie Zamudio. Natalie, how are you? I'm doing great. I'm doing great. Uh, ready to uh, to get into it. Exciting main event last night, and uh, I have a lot of thoughts. <laughs> I mean, go ahead. Hit me with it. I mean, <laughs> let, let's... All right, so to set the stage, look, Johnny Walker comes in. Both of them, they were elevated to a five-round main event, right? On, let's say, a week and a half, a week's notice. And Johnny Walker looking to kind of right the ship, so to speak. Jamal Hill really looking to establish himself, I guess, as not just another contender series guy, not just a prospect, but a guy who can make serious impact on that light heavyweight division. And uh, holy guacamole. Go ahead, Natalie, take it away. Yeah, so, you know, the fight's going. It's fine. You know, Jamal Hill looks great. Striking looks great. Johnny Walker's trying to sort of do his old Johnny Walker thing here and there. And then all of a sudden, it was the perfect camera angle. Usually you don't see him like this. The camera was to the back of Johnny Walker. And uh, Jamal Hill throws a punch. And you just see Johnny Walker falling straight backwards into the camera. It was it was uh, right out of a Three Stooges episode. Like it, it just looked choreographed. Um, it was such a stunning knockout. I've never seen anyone go out like that. When we saw the reverse angle, Johnny Walker's body reacted in a really strange way. It looked like, you know, he he got knocked out immediately, and then it almost looked like his arms went up in the air first, and then he he fell backwards. His poor head got smashed against the cage. And just in case he wasn't already out, Jamal Hill landed another perfect pin, perfect shot on the chin. Uh, it was it was bananas, unexpected, because we're still looking for Johnny Walker to do the spectacular things. And so anytime he's in a fight, doesn't matter who the opponent is, you're 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 looking for that moment. And instead, the moment happened to him. And uh, Jamal Hill walked out of there looking like a beast and someone to watch out for. So. Big night for him, and, uh, you know, hey, everybody gets knocked out. Johnny Walker will regroup, but that's one of those highlights that's going to be in circulation forever. I wouldn't be surprised if it gets added to the opening of, like, the UFC pay-per-views, you know, the, the whole reel that they run, so look out for that. No, for sure, that's fair. I think that, um, I'm trying to think, it, it reminded me a little bit of the Edson Barbosa Shane Burgos one last year, kind of like Shane's body, you just kind of see shut down, even though it didn't look like it was, you know, he, he took the shot. I think when I looked at it, I'm like, you know, respectfully, Johnny Walker's been hit harder than that. I don't think he's mm-hmm. a guy who has issues with his chin, respectfully. So 
<laughs> to see that happen. It was rather wild. I still thought Johnny Walker was revving up. I thought I thought both of them were still getting going. I didn't think that mm-hmm. they had really, you know, hit full speed yet in the fight, so to speak. Right. So to see it happen that way, I was rather shocked. But look, I mean, I think you broke it down really well. Um, obviously, that fall was very cinematic. Uh, it reminded <laughs> me a bit of a long time ago, George Roop versus the Korean zombie. Just connected on him and like the zombie's guard just kind of stayed in place as he went from standing up 90 degrees to, you know, a full 180 on the mat. So uh-huh. it, it, it was a rough one, I think, to see from Johnny just because you knew that he, let's let's say, he, he kind of needed that win. I, I think that there's a lot of questions on where does he go from here. But definitely full credit to Jamal Hill. Uh, big win. Once again, he was kind of looking for that signature victory to kind of get him out of that, you know, oh, you know, bottom of the of the rankings. Like he's doing well, but he hasn't fought those guys yet. Now he officially has, and he's kind of really exercised that loss to Paul Craig from his system with this one. And that really sets up some interesting questions. I know Vulcan Uzdemir was thrown out, and Vulcan Uzdemir kind of uh, teased back at him a little bit on Twitter. I personally thought Dominic Reyes is a good option for Mr. Hill. I think that Dominic's another guy, kind of like Johnny, that this is kind of like, who will keep going upward because Reyes even though he's had tough times recently he's still a guy that I think a lot of people regard as very talented very capable when he's on and then here's the thing on that skid going up against Jamal Hill would a guy like Jamal take his spot so I do think there's a couple guys there I'm not gonna go out there and say he should be fighting the Magomed and Kalaevs and the Anthony Smiths yet but I do think that he is just one more fight away from fighting those guys that, hey, maybe we can now start talking about a title eliminator. Yeah, I, I really like Dominic Reyes. That's a, a, a great idea for um, for this outcome. It's, you know, someone who has a lot to prove, is still a big name, was right at the very tippy top. Uh, so, yeah, I like that. We'll, you know, we'll see how things evolve but that's a great one Volkan Uzdemir sure but I'm way more excited about Dominic Reyes yeah I mean it it might come down to who's just available when they finally put it together Dominic I believe he had some procedure and just took him some much needed time off after his 2021 Volkan he hasn't fought since that uh, Abu Dhabi in October late October Mm-hmm. So we'll see more or less like who's available and who's around. And also, you know, Jamal, let, let's say like it is. I mean, he's he just fought. He's not looking to get right back in there tomorrow. So let the let the dust settle out a little bit. By the way, uh, um, honorary men, you know, honorable mention. Did you see the photos of him and his son at the post-fight press conference? No, I did not. Oh my gosh, you got to check it out. Like, they just brought the drip. Like, Jamal was in a nice suit, and his mini-me was also in a nice suit and sunglasses. <laughs> and it was <laughs> it's the cutest thing. I encourage you to check it out. But, um, okay. you know what? Well done. Uh, you know, 9 out of 10 on the... Fi- 10 out of 10 on the finish, 11 out of 10 on the, uh, the presentation. I was going to give him a 9, and then I'm like, nah, that's just being cold. Like, Jamal gets a 10 on the knockout, 11 on the... Uh, 
the post-fight <laughs> presser. I'll give him that. Nice. Um, Natalie, did you catch many of the highlights? Because I'm not going to lie, a lot of people were getting put down last night. Not too many, not too many. You'll have to uh, catch me up. I mean, there was a bit, I mean, obviously, if you saw it, like the Mowgli Benitez one, David Onama got him out of there in the first round. Uh, Stephanie Egger uh, spoiled the night for Jesse Jess. Uh, Joaquin Buckley and Razak Al-Hassan. Buckley told me that he was going to break the head kick curse. So um, if you remember, obviously, Buckley got the knockout of the year on Impa Kasanganai. And then... Buckley got knocked out via head kick by Alessio DeSherico. DeSherico got knocked out via head kick by Razak Al-Hassan. And so now the circle, we finally came full circle. Al-Hassan fighting Buckley. And uh, yeah, there was no head kick knockout. Uh, Instead, Buckley uh, prevailed by decision. And he brought that guy from the, um, what's it called? Have you seen those videos? The Detroit uh self-defense guy or whatever no like commander or somebody yes. i haven't seen the videos but i've been aware that that there was a special uh presence in the corner there okay so like i clicked through some of them don't actually look that bad like okay they're, he's not trying to get people legitimately killed but then other ones not really he is somebody stop him <laughs> before people it took me a long time because i looked at his website and all that and i'm like i think it's supposed to be a parody. I'm really 90% sure that he's not actually a security guard. He's just pretending to be one online. Like it's a joke. Like it's an SNL skit. But I don't know. I feel like, um, okay, where's our punchline, you know? But uh, look, I mean, the videos go viral. I'm assuming he sells a lot of ad space on any content he does. So... Yeah, just a lot of interesting stuff coming out of uh, last night. I mean, <laughs> Jim Miller. I Jim, mean, that was good. Jim Miller. I mean, I, we were talk, I was talking about this with some other guys on Twitter Spaces. I feel like Jim Miller, one of these days, we're going to just randomly be talking about it. And it's like, oh, Jim Miller's fighting. And it's going to randomly like, oh, Jim Miller's like the first guy to be a 50-year-old in the UFC. And we're going to be like, <laughs> oh, man, I mean, it should still be a good fight. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, still, yeah, I'm checking it out, sure. It's like, dude, that, that guy just isn't going anywhere. <laughs> like, well, he's gonna, he, his age, nah, he, I mean, nah, he'll probably still be around. That's how I feel about him. It's like, well, you know, is he getting up there? And he's like, he'll be around, for sure. Yeah, yeah so it was a, quite the night. Um, what else? We, I mean, we didn't preview it, but uh, Logan Storley got the upset over there at Bellator. Obviously, that sets up a lot with their welterweight division, which um, they'll really get sorted out in May because that's when they have the MVP versus Amosov title fight. Then you got Jason Jackson and Douglas Lima and the Comain in London. So all of that's going to ramp up. But then we got this golden nugget, Natalie, in April. And so they just announced it doubleheader April 15th, San Jose, back to the home office kind of deal. And it's AJ McKee versus Pitbull 2. And then the co-main event is going to be the finals of the light heavyweight Grand Prix between Vadim Nemkov and Corey Anderson. So a lot of numbers. Obviously, there's the factor of potentially being AJ McKee's final fight as he enters free agency. There's the fact that, um, you know, Corey Anderson 
Can he win a major title after leaving the UFC? Can Vadim Nemkov kind of just continue the legacy like a bunch of these guys of, you know, Fedor Melianenko and team? Uh, Aaron Pico, he's going to be taking on UFC and PFL veteran Jeremy Kennedy on the undercard. So, you know, for a night in, out in San Jose, this is a pretty big one. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, look, we've been wanting these these Grand Prix are always exciting. And when we get to the very end, especially when it's two people that you wanted to see get there, it's great. And then, of course, AJ McKee, who won the last one, defeated the uh, um, uh, I can't remember Pitbull, the other Pitbull, the other Pitbull. Um, but yeah, or this Pitbull, excuse me. Uh, yeah, so this is good and a good rematch, right? And that's thrilling because it was. Now we expected AJ, AJ McKee to do great things, but Pitbull's also a legend there at Bellator. So this is one of those where, all right, let's see, uh, are we going to have uh, enter rubber match territory, or is this going to verify AJ McKee as you know the next? the next man at the top right so very exciting yeah i mean um for me it's just uh i think that bellator kind of found the only option they really had and i think i say that because we talk about it a lot we will mention it again when we bring up the kayla harrison thing it's just that uh you never a promotion never wants to be in a position where the fighter is about to rob the bank which is to say mm-hmm. they get they just absolutely bring down the value of multiple people not just like the champion that they last defeated and then they just leave in free agency and just you know they win or they lose and it just kind of like takes away from the brand that they left right so Mm -hmm. i think that essentially after aj beat pitbull if he's really thinking about going to the ufc and doing his thing if he's really thinking about I'm assuming places like Bell, it's not Bellator, but uh, one championship will probably be serious players. I think a place like uh, PFL, you know, just like, hey, every year is a million dollar year could be, you know, an option out there for him. I think all that's out there. So Bellator, knowing this, they were never going to, I think, unless they already knew they were keeping AJ for sure, they were never going to entertain the lightweight title stuff. So I think that after the, you already know he's beaten Pitbull. I mean, there's really nothing else to gain from him beating Pitbull again, except more solidifying that he is the best featherweight out there right now. But mm-hmm. it leaves the lightweight title untouched, stuff like that. Um, I'm very interested because obviously if AJ can, you know, double down on beating a guy like Pitbull, it, it, he enters that Kayla Harrison conversation, free agent. It's like... Why no really? Why wouldn't a UFC want him? Uh, why wouldn't a one championship or PFL try to challenge with the serious offer for him if he is on the table? So I think that that just puts him in a great position. I do want to mention that light heavyweight Grand Prix. I mean, I think this is a big deal. I mean, the fact that Corey Anderson, uh, I want to say he's the last guy who beat Glover Tashira. I have to go back and look at it, but it's like, okay, you know, he does that. I, look, I, I know that he lost to Jan Blahovic, obviously, but then comes back, does what he's done in Bellator to Ryan Bader. Let's say he were to replicate that kind of performance against Vadim. I mean, this is huge. And then for Vadim Nemkov, I mean, you don't ever want to like, I know it's kind of cool, the next fade, all right? He's trains out of the same team. He's younger. He's also crushing it. But really, like, 
the next guy carrying the torch, like just carrying the legacy and just killing the game. You got to imagine he really wants that on his resume too. So I think it's just a very compelling co-main event there also. Yeah, for sure. Then Aaron Pico, I mean, I think that uh, when you look at it, him and Adam Borix, or uh, is it Boritz or Boric? I've heard both, and that's just one of those where one day you say tomato, one day you say tomato, you know? <laughs> that's very fair. But look, I mean, they're neck and neck, and it's kind of like, are they both healthy and we get a rematch for a title eliminator, or does one get it and then they rematch for the belt? It, it honestly feels like it's going to be something like that between those two. But yeah, and then Jeremy Kennedy, he's got a lot of experience. His only UFC loss was to some guy named Alexander Volkanovsky. So oh. that just goes to tell you how good he is. Yeah. Yeah, so we got a lot of good stuff going there too. It's good to see Aaron Pico. Like, you know, he came into Bellator, like just making big waves, knocking out. Um, No, that was uh, someone else. Anyway, but he was knocking people out. Then it started happening to him and he had to regroup. He went to Jackson Wink. Like it's good to see him having had. He's rebuilt himself. He's becoming a complete MMA fighter. I really want to see. You know, I'm curious what his contract's like. If he, whenever that, I don't know when his terms are up. But I'm looking forward to where he's gonna land uh, when it's time to re- to negotiate with you know renegotiate with Bellator or with somebody else. Very interesting because he's still to me very marketable. Um, and of course, very talented on getting even even better skilled at uh, at MMA. So just just something I think about every once in a while. Where will Aaron Pico end up? I always liked his head on his shoulders. Like uh, I saw like the headline they asked him, and like, well, you know, you were this and that, and the hype and Bellator, and he said simply like, you know what? I've come to terms with the fact that not everybody can be John Jones. Like, oh, 23 years old and put it all together already, you know, yeah. like, uh, I'll tell you, like I, I was there. It was one of my first media events, like really like legit ones, like for one of the big promotions. And one of the people we had out there was um, Aaron Pico. And we were talking to him ahead of his uh, Bellator debut. And, you know, it's like, dude, this kid's like 19, 20 at the time I was, you know, like 25 maybe 26 and it's like you're seeing this kid for the first time and it's like oh you know it's a like it's just been wild to see you know like one how is he so young and now like dude he's out there he's been in bellator a minute he has a kid and it's like oh man like it's been quite the journey to witness yeah absolutely um, moving on, uh, someone you and I are both fond of is returning <laughs> on May 13th, Mr. Leota Machida, taking on Fabian Edwards. And uh, it looks like it's going to be the, yeah, that is the, uh, I want to say that's the May London card for Bellator. So obviously, uh, the Dragon has faced a couple of brave knights like Phil Davis, Ryan Bader, and Giga Musasi. Edwards, he's the younger brother of this other guy you might have heard of named Leon Edwards. Mm-hmm. Uh, nine and two overall in his career. He has hit a bit of a rough patch. He lost to upcoming title challenger Austin Vanderford and Costello Vanstinis. So, you know, not necessarily uh, pushovers in Bellator. So he's still working his way up. And I think the most notable thing, last fight on Machida's Bellator contract. 
and his first time back at 185 since 2019. Well, you know, I love the dragon, of course, so always excited to see him fight. If this is, you know, the end for his MMA career, um, now, I don't know if there's been any indication that it is, but look, you're at the end of the con at your con end of your contract, down three. You hope to go out on a win, um, but if not, I wonder how, you know, how marketable is Leora Machida still? I would say still, still a lot, not for the UFC. If I'm Bellator, I still want to keep him if he wants to stick around. If I'm PFL, sure, sign him to one season. You get to, you know, use his name to help attract uh, viewers. So. You know, whatever his feeling is, uh, Leona Machida's feeling about after this fight is over, what he wants to do with MMA, I think there's still options for him um, out there because, man, like, you just look back at the career and it's just what an amazing career. The highlight reels, just the style of fighting, everything's just super admirable and legendary battles, right, or legendary moments within, you know, battles. Yeah, I, I think personally as a fan... I'm fine if he wants to retire. If he wants to keep fighting, I'll still keep watching. I mean, to me, he was one of those guys. He set a trend, right? Like the the really traditional martial artist in uh, UFC. And not to say there weren't, obviously, you know, Hoist Gracie, guys like uh, George St. Pierre and Anderson Silva on occasion would really lean into it. But he was that guy like, no, like... This is my family and my my father, and from the mm-hmm. way it always made a sound, my father's father, the Machida Karate, right? It was something out yeah. of Cobra Kai, and it was you know, and they brought it and into that, and so uh, I'll always remember that he kind of owned that little space for a time, and now look, I mean, the game kind of just kept evolving with him, and I mean, look, he ran it. At the time when he was at the top of his game, you have this absolute freak of nature at 23 years old, killing it, named John Jones, shows yeah. up and just completely turns everything upside down, right? And, you know, so athletically gifted and been doing martial arts and wrestling since he was young and all that. So, you know, tough times to hit Machida, but I think everyone who knows him, just his sportsmanship, just his approach to the fight game can appreciate it. I like what you're saying about um, PFL. I think that that's a good move. If for nothing else, the feeling of smaller pond kind of deal. Yeah. But I do also acknowledge that, look, this isn't 2010. Machida, you know, like, is he starting to slow down a little bit? Is the dragon, he's no longer the Game of Thrones dragon. He's more... I can't think of another fictional dragon that's slower than the Game of Thrones dragons, but you get what I mean. <laughs> um, the magic dragon, I don't know. <laughs> no, no, you, I'm not going to do that to my, my dude Lioto. But, you know, the, the fact is, like, I know that this is probably the last hurrah. And then Fabian Edwards is just this young up-and-comer, too. He wants to have his moment, and he's at home in England. So uh, I'm aware there's just a lot of factors going into this. Mm-hmm. But yeah, look, if this is it, we'll we'll write that we'll have that segment later on, but for sure that's just another one. Um one of these tidbits that I saw it and I'm like this is more telling than anything. Kayla Harrison saying she's considering dropping to 135 pounds and she did name drop Juliana Peña in an interview with ESPN. 
I mean, to me, Natalie, I saw that and I'm like, how freaking bad is it at featherweight right now in the UFC? <laughs> like, I'm sorry. Like, I've, I do not want anything to do with Kayla Harrison at Bantamweight. I think that she's already, you know, she's rather lean, 155. I saw her very lean, fight 45. I, I really, uh, we've been here, done that with the Chris Cyborg thing. And, you know, not, no knock on it. The fact is, there's, you're not, like Tyson Fury. If he just absolutely didn't lift no weights, did all cardio, cut all the fat and sodium and sugar out of his diet, he's still not going to make 200 pounds. It's just too big. With Kayla Harrison, you know, her frame, you know, shoulders, height, everything, reach. I want nothing to do with 135, but it made me wonder, is this part of the hook? Like, she's not going to get a super fight with Amanda Nunes, so they're like, well, if we're going to do this, we need to make a big fight anyway, so it's going to have to be Juliana, and it's going to have to be at 35. That's the only thing I could come up with, because how is this idea even being floated around? It's it's shocking. It's a it's a terrible notion. You know, yeah, you, you said it all. You look at Kayla Harrison, her, her physique, her build, like, look at her jawline. Like, the woman is a specimen she's already cutting a little right she's cutting a little at least to make 155 like that's not she doesn't walk around at 155 145 yeah that's tough 135 is just doesn't seem right because you're not going to get kayla harrison at 135 that's how depleted is she going to be drained like it's just not right it's not fair it's not going to be a good fight she'll give it all she has of course because that's what she does um, no matter who the opponent is, but 135 is not a smart place for her to be fighting. If she wants to try it out, uh, the UFC is also not the place you want to do it. Like, you're just going to be going up against the best at at, um, at 135. You know, 145, your first question, is it that bad at, in the UFC? Yeah, it's that bad. There's nothing going on there. <laughs> but, I mean... Come Don't on, remind guys. me. <laughs> you said you were going to build a division around Cyborg. You didn't do it. You said you were going to do it around around Nunez. You didn't do it. Is Kayla Harrison enough to motivate the UFC to build a, a division? Is there even anyone to build a division with? Like, are they going to have to buy up contracts from all the other promotions and tell them, look, we're going to double your pay. Just come over. We need to give Kayla Harrison opponents. No. Are they strong arming her and saying, if you want to fight for us, you got to do 135? That's cruel, man. Like, yeah, Chris Cyborg, that, that, um, you know, they were making her fight at 140, right? For a little bit until they finally let her do 145. And like, that was so tough for her. I don't like this at all. And so if I'm Kayla Harrison, I'm thinking, do you want glory or do you want gold? Because glory comes with UFC and gold comes with PFL. They have a division just for you. And you can keep making money. And so now the answer to where will she land is even more intriguing. Oh, boy. So uh, I guess my one thing about it is that I, when I look at the Kayla Harrison situation, and I get it, they want to kick it off with a big fight, right? Like, 
Dana White teased it with Amanda and Kayla. I keep going back to this idea that, like, why do you feel she is not worth it? Why do you feel like she... What is missing? Is it, okay, well, who... You feel like she's faced subpar competition in PFL. All right, fair enough. They're not women that we necessarily revisit after they fought Kayla Harrison. I'll give you that point. However, I will go back to this idea is that, I mean... What were some of these other guys and girls claim to fame? I mean, like, okay, like, she here's where she's at. Uh, Yuri Prohashka. I mean, dude's two fights into UFC, and he's probably about to become champ. He could become champ of the marquee division um, at 205, right? Or you, historically, it's not been as hot as it was years ago, but you get my point. Yeah. You know, there there have been guys and girls with a little less hype put into a position that, you know, they could essentially really skyrocket it up. And I, and I guess to me, I don't... I do feel like there's a bit of a play going on. I feel like you see that in Juliana Pena. I'm seeing Juliana Pena at a lot of different stuff. Hmm. And I, I say this respectfully, I feel like... It's been a minute since we've actually seen... Uh, maybe it's because we haven't had... Uh, outside of, I believe... I know I'm going to be mess- missing somebody and I'm going to get a little heat for it. <laughs> I'm trying to think, when was the last time we had a new American champion? Before Juliana. Uh, 135? Anywhere. Of uh, Ronda Rousey? Before Ronda... Uh, not, uh, not, not just women, I mean even the men. Oh, because like, I'm looking at last year. I mean, you had Ngannou win the belt. Oh, okay, okay. Uh, last oh. year, Ngannou won the belt. Then we had Alex, Aljamain Sterling. Aljamain Sterling. But that one was, you know, I don't right. need I say more. Uh, and, um, but yeah, uh, you Rose, get Rose Namajunas. <laughs> okay, okay, yeah. But my my thing is that like, okay, like she's doing the media circuit. And part of me is just like, hey, you know, like, um, you know, like, uh, where, why hasn't, why wasn't Amanda doing this? Why wasn't so-and-so doing this? And it does make me feel like the UFC is trying to strike while the iron is hot. Because I guess if they do, if Nunes goes down 0-2 to Pena, yeah. then they definitely want Pena going in. You want to replace the old star with the new one. And now, obviously, it's very rare, almost impossible to say, oh, like, the heat just kept going up, right? But I feel like that's what they're trying to do. Which, once again, makes it so perplexing to think about, like, how is this somehow, like, the main hook to have Kayla possibly fight Juliana? In which case, I kind of go back to it. It's like, you're telling me this girl isn't enough to kind of put some a fresh coat of paint and just bring the heat at 145 by herself without having to entertain this idea? I just, I don't know. Part of me just doesn't believe it, Natalie. I, I'm just a little in shock. Is that fair to say? Yeah, it is. You know, I think the UFC with the women's division, uh, 45 division has kind of been... Misguided. I feel like there's not someone who cares about it enough to stand their ground and insist that it be fully developed, well developed, somewhat developed, 
like, and then, you know, because Nunez won both, like, that was their big once, one moment, you know, uh, matchup, Chris Cyborg, Nunez, and it resulted with Nunez being a double champ. Great. And you can put it on the posters. You can call her the baddest woman on the planet. But, like, there's still not a lot for her to do. Chris Cyborg leaves because she's, you know, not being treated well. Bellator is a better place for her. And then you have this amazing new person who's uh, fights at a bigger weight than Kale, than Nunez, than Cyborg. And, like, man, she's great on the TV. She's a great inspiration for girls. The American hero, you know, national hero, two-time gold medalist. All the things you want. She's just a little bit too big for the divisions they have. And uh, Juliana Pena is really good at creating hype. She's really good at getting... Um, you know, sometimes uh, she fumbles on the mic. She tries to be too cute, too cool. It doesn't always go well, but in general, she makes a strong impression, right? And that's what they need right now. You know, when Nunes fought Rousey in the, you know, fear of the return of Ronda Rousey, one of Rogue, Joe Rogan's greatest, biggest criticisms was that they never publicized or, or, or um, pumped up Amanda Nunes, right? That was their champ. And they never did anything to make her a star. It was all about Ronda Rousey. So they're doing the smart thing by making Juliana Pena a name. Um, and I think they're doing it so that no matter who she fights, people want to check it out. Um, but yeah, to me in general, overall with Kayla Harrison, as, as regards Kayla Harrison, it's weird. They just, it's weird because now we don't know where she's going to end up. They're talking about UFC again. It's weird because the UFC can't get their act together at 145. man, I really want to see this all resolved soon. And it also makes me wonder, is Nunez giving UFC vibes of like, I don't know when I'll be back? And and that's why they're pushing Pena so hard? Or I don't know. There's too many questions in the air for me. I'm just going to speculate, you know, till the cows come home. Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll move on from this one. But it, it does just make me wonder what's... At the end of the day, what is the end game? Because... Uh, I do know. I feel much stronger that uh, UFC is gonna get the deal done, and they'll just kind of um, let Kayla Harrison operate. But I just don't like the idea. It's like, why? Do, why does this even have to be a thing? Like, why? Mm-hmm. We don't. I'll be honest. I don't want to see Pena at one forty-five. I don't want to see Harrison at one thirty-five. Right. Why do we need it? But respectfully, yeah. why do we need it? It's, it would just be, I don't know. Like, it, if Pena wants to be all that in a bag of chips, I am totally happy if she beats Nunez twice and says she wants to go after Valentina Shevchenko again. I'm down with that. All honesty. You get Nunez 0-2, you know, 2-0. and By all means, you pick your shot. You go after her at 125 for double champ. I, I think that's fair when you look at what Nunez has done. For Kayla, I mean... Give her the Holly Holmes, Aspen Lads, uh, um, oh my gosh, I'm, Norma Dumont. I, I was oh. like, I was about to call her Kellen Vieta. But you, you get my point, you know? It just like, okay, if this is what we're doing, call a macaroni and just get the conveyor belt rolling. Mm-hmm. You know, you know she'll sell it. You know you got, this is why you're putting girls in the main events. Let's do it. Let's run it. But I don't need to see her go lower. I don't need to see Pena go higher. I, I really don't. There you go. Put it on your Twitter page. There you go. No, I'd like to save that for memes <laughs> and the occasional MMA pun. 
Um, I need to wash out the taste of this with some good old-fashioned bare knuckle. Oh, yes, sir. It's like my beer and chips of MMA, of combat sports. <laughs> uh, I don't want to talk about any fights yet. Did you see Mike Perry bust out that baseball bat at the press conference? <laughs> you know, I'm surprised that's all he had. He could come out with a chain and a, a mace. He, you know? he thought he was just going to pull out his Glock. <laughs> yeah, just an Uzi, a, a Chicago typewriter, you know, like just go... Uh, Dick Tracy on him? No, I mean, that was just... <laughs> no, just like, what's up? And then, he, you know, he reaches into the jacket and I'm like, what is he doing? And you know what? I wish he just pulled out like, uh, you know, your big five sporting goods, Louisville, you know, aluminum slugger. He pulled out like the, you know, the kiddie pool foam bat that broke into two pieces. I'm like, come on, Mike. That's like... That's You're more like hood than, than that. Henry Cejudo kicking the pillows, you know, with the faces of, of the of Dominic Cruz and everyone on it. Yes. I mean, it's cringy because if you're going to do something like that, either make it really funny or make it really scary. And this in between, you know, he should have opened up his jacket and just had a bunch of gold watches. You know, like you want to buy a watch or something like something funny. But <laughs> yeah. this was... Uh... That's fair. <laughs> Um, he gets the decision. I, I heard it was pretty. It was a good scrap. Him, Perry, Julian Lane, aka Let Me Bang, bro of Ultimate Fighter <laughs> Infamy. Uh, unanimous decision. Good for him. Um, by the low key, I know like they. Those are two guys just made for bare knuckle, no? Oh yes, sir. Yeah. I mean, they got it right. Um, Mike, per- does it, did Mike Perry has he kind of cracked the code? Natalie, because if you think about it, last year, he got, let's say, last 12 months overall, I believe, he's gotten paid by the UFC, Triller, and Bare Knuckle. I mean, I'm sorry, but has he figured it out yet? Because if you ask me, that's just smart business. It's totally smart business. And like, you know, he was at the end of his UFC career, he didn't even have a corner (laughs) memorably. He didn't want to pay anyone like when you're just doing bare knuckle, not that it's not a skilled martial art or a skilled form of fighting, right? It is. You have to practice. You have to spar. But it's different than with gloves. But I'm going to go ahead and guess you need less of a team to prepare, right? So he's saving money there. And he's free. He's a free agent. So he can go wherever he wants. And yeah, Triller, BKFC, like I'm sure he got good money. Because he's still a name. And he's known for being rowdy rough scrappy like all the things you want to see in these promotions triller bkfc so yeah man he did crack the code you nailed it he's uh i hope to see him do more of this maybe it'll inspire some other guys to to be a little more free once they get off out of their ufc contract to just do like one-offs you know for sure uh, i mean i just thought about it and i'm like isn't he doing exactly what a bunch of them are saying they wish they could do just go mm-hmm. around and get just fight and get paid the most each yep. time. I mean, good for him. Um, oh, Chad Mendez gets the fourth round knockout victory. Uh, I, I saw the highlights. Uh, I don't know if you did, but essentially, yes. I mean, just... Um, look, the guy was driving a perfectly decent, good car, gets good mileage, runs well on the freeway, could take it, you know, out of state if you had to. But then I, I felt like everything I saw from Chad Mendes is that guy was just up against a Ferrari and the Ferrari yeah. being Chad. And so I was like, yeah, there's, you know, you always had to get lucky to end well in this one, in my opinion. So um, good for Chad. It did make me wonder, like, well, respectfully, I mean, you're this great wrestler. I don't know how much I really care to see you just throw hands because 
the competition. I, I don't want to just keep seeing you do this over and over. I want to see you get tested, right? Which made me wonder, like, well, how much do I want to see Chad Mendes back? So I wanted to toss it to you. Um, you know what, man? I disagree with you. If I'm Chad Mendes, you know, I had the run at the UFC, made it to the top, almost, you know, quite almost there, got to fight Conor McGregor. You know, it was a big event. Like, you've experienced everything from the big show. And he has his, um, his business. I think he still has it, right? His hunting business, Fins and Feathers. He started with TJ Dillashaw. In any case, he does a lot of that. That's how he's, he's been making money lately. Um, and he got back in shape. He, I guess I follow him on Instagram because I'm aware of like him having issues with psoriasis. He had like really bad skin and he changed his diet to all meat. And he's just, that was the beginning of the resurgence of him getting back in shape and everything. Look, yeah, he's a wrestler, but he did a lot of, of impressive work in the UFC with his fists. And this was another example of that skill that he developed as an MMA fighter. He probably made really great money. It was probably a lot of fun. I'm okay with seeing Chad Mendes stick it out in BKFC. Why not? Like, you make money, you have fun. Do you really need to keep... Like, it's, a, it's already a challenge because it's different. So do you have to go back and try to relive and climb back to the top in MMA? Nah, I'm done with that. I'm Chad Mendes. I'm going to have some fun. Maybe uh, a la Mike Perry. Just try not to get too cut up in your face, you know, <laughs> and that's it. What about you? You want to see him back in the uh, in the cage? Yeah, kind of. I do, just because I felt like he left at a time where he was just having a bit of bad luck. I mean, I believe he had the... He, he tested positive for something, right? Yeah, it was like yeah, a yeah, yeah. medicinal topical cream. Yep, and then... Uh, Look, he, he had like a good comeback fight. Then he ran. He also ran into this guy named Alexander Volkanovsky. Sure did. That's yeah. a trend, right? That sent him back. Yeah, back but it to was, retirement. Yeah, but it was like, no, man, I mean, in hindsight, no shame in that. I feel like mm-hmm. that's I always felt like he had a game that just could work, especially if he just put it all together. I think when you look at the guys like the uh, uh, I want to. Like the Yair's, Brian Ortega's, Max Holloway's, in Bellator, guys like Pitbull's and AJ McKee's, um, even if they're compact, but guys who could just do a lot, they, they're not just good at one thing. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and they had takedown defense and they could get up off the, their back and stuff like that. W- was Chad going to struggle with them? Yes, but then I also felt like we never really saw him get to test his potential against enough of those guys. I felt like he was still revving up and his three biggest fights were just Aldo, Connor, and Frankie. Mm-hmm. The Connor fight in particular on short notice. Yeah. Uh look, he ran into Jose Aldo when nobody was beating Jose Aldo and right. he got caught by Frankie. I still felt like he still had plenty more to do when he left. So do you know? Long story short, do I want to see Chad back? I kind of do. I I kind of would like to see, especially if they lose AJ McKee. Where would a guy like Chad fit into Bellator? Um, you can't tell me that a PFL offer wouldn't be pretty nice for him right about now. And you know, just where he's at and his grappling and all that against the guys that they have over there at PFL. So yeah, I, I would like to see that. Um, I would like him to keep it stateside just because I feel like there's a little more of a ceiling. I feel like he wouldn't get exactly the love he needs in one championship. Um, 
fan-wise, financially, I'm sure they'd set him up well, but uh, I feel like there's... He could add a whole other chapter to the legacy that would really make an impact in Bellator or PFL. I like PFL. If he comes yeah. back to MMA, I like the PFL. I think it's a good place for him. Yeah, so... But yeah, good stuff. Um, it's always a interesting night at Bare Knuckle, isn't it? It's so interesting. <laughs> it's like you know we're not we're not gonna have a sophisticated sophisticated conversation. It's like when the picture like someone like post a a clickbait thirst trap thumbnail, and all the comments are from guys who are like, "Oh, all the men of culture are here." It's like, "Oh, come <laughs> on, we we came for the violence and." We wanted like hot sauce, add extra violence, and that's what we get a bare knuckle. <laughs> um, let's go right into this Saturday's main event, yeah? So yes, sir. It comes out ironically. So apparently, Brett Okamoto was there at the training session that this happened. I'm assuming, obviously, to talk to Benil, but I don't know if it was like before or after their interview. But Benil Dariush on Tuesday gets his toe caught in the mat, and I. I, I take it to assume somehow it was like in the side where the mat meets the fence. Mm-hmm. And I'm assuming just he gets caught, has a fall, and he's training probably with somebody and essentially broken fibula. That's so, horrendous. Exactly. Two weeks out from the biggest fight, in all likelihood, win, win that, you fight for the title. And yet, yeah, no timetable for his return. Enter the man from the Inland Empire. Bobby Green, um, he we didn't talk about him. He had a perfectly good performance against Nesrat Hapkarast. Ah, I knew I wasn't going to say it right. Hapkarast. I feel like you have to be staring at the letters to be able to pronounce it. Yes, but you know Nasrat, he got a solid victory. Nasrat yeah. is a durable guy. Bobby went out there, really pieced him up um, enough times to get that decision, or I think he might have even got the finish. But the fact is, he looked good. He had the great fight with Rafael Faziv, even though it didn't go his way. He had a finish of Ally Akinta in a MSG late November. So he's on a decent run. Now look, this obviously isn't Benil Dariush, seven-fight win streak, dominated Tony, got Diego Ferreira. But this is still a, now a very interesting opponent. And then let's just go back to it. Islam Mahachev, he's probably two wins away from being you know the next Habib if there could be a next Habib and I mean you know we talk about well Vadim doesn't want to be the next Fedor just be his own person I'm sorry but how can you not call Islam the next Habib I mean really you tell me who's more the next Habib than Islam Mahachev we can just call him Eagle (laughs) 2 Habib Jr you know (laughs) Habib part 2 nah but um Look, respectfully, like, Islam, he's been crushing it. He's coming off that finish of Dan Hooker. He finished Tiago Moises. Uh, He's on a nine-fight win streak. Um, Only behind Charles Oliveira, who's on a ten-fight win streak right now, I believe. Um, Just, uh, absolutely, look, I mean, this was supposed to be his, oh, he finally fights a top-ranked guy. That still doesn't happen, and I'm not going to lie, I'm a little salty about it, because come on now. But really, I mean, he wins this one, where else is there to go? It's a title shot. I mean, if it's not, I mean, really, what are we doing, right? 
I mean, wh- why is there a rule book kind of deal if 10 fights doesn't get you a title shot? So Yeah, yeah. That's... Especially when he's been active. He hasn't had long layoffs or anything. He hasn't had any of those circumstances, really. So, anyway, let me go ahead and toss it to you. What are your thoughts on, one, the turn of events, and two, just the matchup itself before we do predictions? Uh, Yeah, so... The first, the injury, that sounds gruesome. Like, just I just keep thinking what uh, must have felt like, sounded like, looked like. Poor man gets his toe stuck in a mat, and then maybe someone was on him, and the weight of it all just cracked his calf bone. That's tough, man. And, uh, yeah, of course, super upsetting. You can be the fastest healer on earth. It's still going to keep you out of the out of the fight game for, like, uh, six weeks or something, right? And that's frustrating because that's just for the bone to heal, and then you have to rehab. Okay, really bummed out for that, for Mr. Dariush. Bobby Green was really cool fighting uh, Hack Forest. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, he had so much swagger, so much confidence. I don't think any of that's going to do him any good against Islam Makachev. Just think about that Dan Hooker fight. Like, As soon as Islam gets you gets his hands on you. It's like, you know, the old Ronda Rousey days where as soon as she got close enough to you to flip you over, it was over. And that's basically what I think is going to happen with um, Islam and Bobby Green. So if I'm Bobby Green, I am staying evasive as heck. And yeah, probably keeping your hands down is the right move so that you can be, I mean, he already does it naturally, but so you can be ready to defend. If I'm Bobby Green, I'm willing to take a couple of punches. I'm not going to be shooting my hands up to try and defend too much because my goal is going to be, you know, don't take me down. Um, I think if Bobby Green is able to succeed, it could go, you know, into rounds three or four. And as much as I like his fight style, I don't think he's going to be able to. I think Islam's going to move in, close the distance, take him down, and submit him, you know, Recently, we've seen him do arm triangle, rear naked choke, Kimura on Dan Hooker. I'm seeing a submission of Bobby Green, round one, rear naked choke. Just going to call it right there. Oh, man, you don't even want the fire to smoke before it's out. (laughs) (laughs) That's what I heard on that one. No, I mean, look, that's very fair. Uh, One thing that I really think uh, people sleep on when they're breaking down Islam, his stature he's uh built uh, i mean if i if you're talking about okay what kind of qualities you would say are probably more uh effective in mma he's proportioned a lot taller i believe he's got more reach and stuff like that than habib um but I, my point of that is that he's a very big guy like it's if you're not catching him clean if you don't have a little bit of pop behind you he's you know, his physicality is something to deal with, not just when he's wrestling you and got his arms, you know, his hands locked behind you. He's just a difficult guy to keep off when he's walking forward. And I think that's a, the big thing that Bobby Green is going to have to deal with when he's not wrestling. And I think in that way, that's really Islam's biggest advantage. I don't expect him to win this mid-range boxing fight with Bobby. I don't expect him to try to kickbox with Go- with Bobby and chop away at the calves and stuff like that. But I will say I do predict him to try to mix it up a little bit, show him the hands and make Bobby feel all of that, you know, height and reach before he tries to change the levels. Now, look, Bobby's got nothing to lose. 
I fully expect him to go out there with that kind of attitude and just, you know, try to piece him up early. If he sees himself getting into a hole, just decide to try to let the hands go and say, I'm going to go out on my sword, but, you know, I'm certainly not going to win a wrestling battle with him tonight. So really, if I'm not out here to try, what else am I doing? Yeah. And so stylistically, I do think that's there. Bobby, it's not like he just gets rolled over when people try to take him down. No, no, of course not. But he hasn't taken on an Islam Mahachev in a while. And it really, I think that's my biggest thing about how confident am I about his wrestling ability. Could he surprise me? Absolutely. The numbers say we probably won't get that, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, so, um... (sighs) While I do think there would be some chaotic scenes if Bobby just starts lighting him up in the middle of the octagon, I do also feel like uh, you probably have it on the money. I think... I remember thinking Dan Hooker was going to really present some problems for Islam. And then what Islam did, I just think that he has hidden his stride so much. He was getting ready to really wrestle a wrestler that... He is just so ready to get his arms around somebody and, you know, just smash. You know what I mean? Yeah. I think he's going to do it. And so I'm going to agree with you. I'm going to say, you know what? I'm going to say TKO just so we're not, you know, uh, host one and host two. I think Only that say he's, it if you believe it. Come on he's now. not going to get a submission. He's just going to lock him up, get in mount and just, you know, keep going until the ref lets him off. <laughs> okay i think that's, that's what's gonna happen <laughs> yeah so i think that that's what's gonna happen i think that it's gonna be good i think it's gonna be a interesting scene either way which mm-hmm. leads us into our next episode natalie we are at that time <laughs> ufc 272 and it's the grudge match there's no belt on the line but there's all the bragging rights you could want Colby Covington, Jorge Masvidal. Uh, what do you most want to see next week? Oh, my God. Or that the... you're hoping to see, put it that way. I'm hoping to see a really interesting stare down face-off at the, uh, at the ceremonial weigh-ins. And I'm really looking forward to, not obviously, the fight. But I'm really looking forward to seeing what they do when uh, Herb Dean or whoever the ref is brings them together to, you know, touch fists if they want to. I'm very excited for that moment. I mean, come on. There's not a whole lot more that needs to be said. This is one of those fights that gets... You never thought it was going to happen when they were friends. And even when they weren't friends anymore, you still weren't sure if it was going to happen. And they've both risen and fallen, and now here they are, having to fight each other to get back to the top spot. So, uh, for me... I haven't, I don't say this often just because I am rarely, you know, we've seen enough of them. If it's not Connor and Habib, really, what are you waiting for? I am really excited for the press conference because mm-hmm. I feel like Colby is going to go there. You know, he's going to say family and he's going to like, he's already brought up Masvidal, like who he claims is Masvidal's baby mama and stuff like that. Yeah. And you know that Jorge He's not afraid to go there, too, I think, with Colby. Right. So I feel like we're going to find out a lot more about these two personally than I really want to. And that makes it exciting. (laughs) (laughs) 
Like, they are gonna say some stuff that doesn't normally get said even when they dislike each other, you know? Yep. Yeah. So, um, and then the fight, I mean, look, I mean, we know Jorge really needs it. Colby, I think that he would be in a position where now, where does he go if he loses? So, this is definitely a, every fight's a must win, but this is more of a must win, if we're being honest. So, mm-hmm. by the time we get there, it's gonna be a good show. But, um, yeah, who wins, how, all that, you gotta tune in next week. Oh, yeah. We'll be back. Until then, guys, thank you for tuning in. Have a good one. Enjoy the fights.